I want to pray, but I do not know how. Sometimes I say prayers that I've heard from different philosophies. Uh, I pray peace on people when I say namaste, or maybe I pray the rosary, or maybe I say the Lord's Prayer every day, but something just feels like it's missing. Maybe you're not in any of these camps, but you need fresh help and perspective in prayer. Lord, help me is the cry of your heart. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury in the Wyoming Valley. If you need someone to talk to or to pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski. I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform at 10 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded, and you will find other content on there as well. You can find us at GodsResistance.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us also at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. After this Christmas season, we are picking up our study of the Sermon on the Mount. I say study, we're really just trying to get to the spiritual meat and marrow of the gospel, of Christianity and what it means. And we're picking that up. We had talked uh, about some other things before. Uh, Prayer is what we're going to be talking about this morning. Or, Yeah, so prayer is something that is instinctual. Prayer is something that is so simple and yet so profound. Prayer is sometimes a great mystery to us, even in spite of it feeling simple or, or that we know it's simple. We're living in a day now where especially in America, there's this new age philosophy, really, that kind of floats throughout society. You hear it when people say something like, just say a prayer for me. Or, uh, and that really means like, they just, they're thankful, they're expressing gratitude. Or maybe they say a prayer to the world. Who is actually being prayed to is really the question, though. A lot of times I think what people mean or or maybe they don't even think it through but they're just kind of like saying a prayer or, or something's going out in the air to this nebulous force to to the forces of life out in the world to the wind to the trees to the water to the air to the universe i've heard people talk like that before and basically you're praying to yourself your own created god yourself saying prayers and actually praying are two different things the devil has always done his best to confuse the most important things of truth. And one of those important things is prayer. Before our break for Christmas, uh, where we had some of those themed messages, we had been talking about giving, prayer, and fasting. We had talked about repetitive prayer, saying the same thing over and over again. That was corrected by Jesus. It was happening in those times. It's still happening now. We, we, we heard Jesus saying, don't pray to be seen. Or another thing, don't pray with many words thinking that that will get God to listen to you. So then the question comes up 
how am I supposed to pray then? I'm glad you asked. We are looking in Matthew chapter 6, and we're beginning in verse 9. Jesus said, after this manner, after he had corrected all the false ways of prayer, he said, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So after this manner, we heard the other manners that are then prevalent, and really, things are not much different in our present day as they were back in the times of Christ. So he said, after this manner then, forget those ways, here's the way I want you to pray. You pray, pray ye. You are the one that has to pray. That's what Jesus is saying to us. You have to pray. So after this manner, you pray. You put in the time. You put in the effort. Prayer is first personal. So we have to do it. It's a responsibility to us. And then he goes into it and saying, our father. You pray, our father. Even as I just said a moment ago, prayer is is first personal. But even as we personally pray, we realize that there is more than just us. There's more than just our wants. There's more than our wishes. Notice Jesus said, pray our father. It's dethroning self. It's getting us out of the way and helping us to think about things much broader and bigger. So the hour implies the A-U, or excuse me, O-U-R, hour, implies equal claim to the father. Is God the father of all humankind? Yeah, I've heard people say things like that, but no, he's not. God is the creator of all humankind. He's created everything. But God is only the father to those that have repented and been born again. These are called the children of God. A few scriptures, Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. What does that tell us? We, by nature, are outside of God's family. And we have a need to be adopted into his family. That's what he says here, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, that's not just males, that's anybody. But that was the uh, patriarchal society that they had lived in. So we need to be adopted into God's family. We're not just, we don't just, you know, come into this world born into God's family. We have to step into that. We need to receive the adoption of sons. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, receiving Christ, to be power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, that's Jesus' name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So here again, we need to be born anew. We need to be born into a new experience, a new family. Galatians 3.26 For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. So if you have not repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are not a child of God. Therefore, God is not your father, according to the scriptures. There's many other scriptures we could look at that would bring out that point, but those, I believe, are sufficient to help us understand a little bit of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, our father. This helps us to understand that he has the same relationship with others that have been saved through Christ as he has with you if you've been saved through Christ. This dethrones self and makes God the object of our prayers. And when we think of our Father, Father implies 
care. Now, I know we're, we're living in a world where maybe good fathers are kind of at a low ebb. You can't find them as easily. But the word father, despite all of the craziness in our society and how bad fathers really are, maybe, implies care. It implies a provider, somebody who, who, who takes care of me, provides for me, gives me my needs. It implies an approachableness. He's our father. He's my dad, if we can think of it that way. So he tells us to start our prayers by saying, our father. That helps us to get in the right frame when we pray. Now, this isn't just any father. He says it's our father in heaven. So it's our father in heaven now. That's the immediacy of this prayer. Our father, which art in heaven. That's the place of his residence. That's where he lives. Heaven is the pure, untainted by sin, most glorious place. That's where God lives right now. That's where he is on his throne. And this gives us an accurately lofty picture of God. Now he's not just, oh, the big man upstairs. He's my big pal. You know, we're like this. I was crossing my fingers for those that can't see what I'm doing. But we're like this. He's the big man upstairs. No, when we say our father, which are in heaven, and we think of what heaven is, that takes that undue familiarity out of the way and helps us to have that healthy fear, not the terror, you know, of, oh, no, I can't approach God, but that healthy fear that's like, wow, I'm talking to the God of the whole universe that lives in heaven, a pure and a holy place untainted by sin. And he says, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed's not a word you and I use regularly now. But hallowed means holy, lifted up, altogether different than any other being, revered, hallowed be your name. Oh, so when we approach God in prayer, you're our father. You live in heaven, holy, hallowed be thy name, revered, separate, altogether different. You're unlike any other being ever. Any other being that's in existence now or ever will be or ever has been, you are God. So when we start our prayers with God and not starting our prayers with our needs, it puts us in the right frame of mind and heart to pray rightly, to see God as he is before we approach him. A lot of times we just think of God as some kind of Santa Claus figure that, you know, just pumps blessings out to us. No doubt God gives us so much and he gives us way above what we ask for, but that's not him in his essence. So we need to get quiet before we pray, according to Jesus, and we need to think, who am I praying to? Our Father. That's who I'm praying to. Then we move on to the next verse, verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So the previous verse started with God. Now we move from God to his plan. And his plan has to do with his kingdom, thy kingdom. Isn't God already the ruler over all things? What's he talking about? Thy kingdom. Well, he is ruler in the sense of he has absolute power over all things. So the question then is, what is his kingdom? What is he talking about here? Well, we know it's the kingdom of light. It's the kingdom of truth, a kingdom of righteousness and a kingdom of holiness. Where is this kingdom? Well, this kingdom is within. This is the kingdom that he's speaking about. Luke 17, verse 20 and 21, we read, 
And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, that's Jesus, when the kingdom of God should come, Jesus answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The Jews were looking for a manifest kingdom they could see with their face. They wanted this messianic kingdom to come in and take out the Roman uh, tyrannical government out of their way and set up this uh, messianic reign here on earth. But Jesus was saying, I did not come to bring that kind of a kingdom right now. Kingdom I'm talking about is an inward kingdom. The kingdom of God is within. And that is what we are talking about here. That's what Jesus is talking about. Our Father which art in heaven, thy kingdom come. God is trying to establish then, right now, a spiritual kingdom. He's trying to make up a kingdom of people that are transformed from sin to holiness. And then they're living inside of this wicked, sin-cursed world now. This kingdom, according to the scriptures, is to extend throughout the entire globe. This goes beyond just some kind of special ethnicity. But every tribe and tongue of every nation, the Bible says, this kingdom is a here and now kingdom that spills past national borders and earthly kingdoms. So we are praying to our Father that His kingdom will come. We're praying that His kingdom comes here to earth. Our prayers then should be the same as His plan of redemption and should be the same as His desires. Our Father which art in heaven, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. We are praying for His kingdom to come. And it says, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, how? How is God's will done in heaven? Think about that for a minute. And maybe we think, I don't know. I've never been to heaven. I don't know what it's like up there. We've got a little bit of a glimpse of that as we look into the scriptures. But let's just think for a moment. How is God's will to be done in heaven so that we can understand how his will will be done in earth? Because that's what he's saying. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, his will is done unhindered in heaven. There's nothing to stop it. There's nothing in the way. His will is immediately carried out by his angels without rebellion. He already kicked out those angels that rebelled and followed after the devil himself. So now up in heaven, there is no rebellion. When he speaks, people do his will and they do it joyfully and gladly. Heaven is the bliss of God's intention. The world is chaos resulting from sin and corruption in the earth. And disorder is caused by the absence of the kingdom of God on the earth. Without God, our societies are messed up. Without God, there's a mess all over the place. We see it. I mean, we're right in the middle of it here in America. What a mess. And it's not just America, it's anywhere. Wherever people's hearts are filled with sin and unrighteousness, there is trouble and there are problems. And disorder is caused, as I said, by the absence of the kingdom of God on earth. Think about what it would be like if everyone on earth were walking with God in true righteousness and in true holiness. We are praying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. In case you've just tuned in, You are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. 
You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Moving on to verse 11. The next portion in this prayer that Jesus is teaching is give us this day our daily bread. So in the beginning it was focus on God, focus on his plan, focus on his kingdom. And then you're thinking about, well, should I not pray for anything that has to do with myself? No. And this verse helps us to understand that part of our carrying out the work of God's kingdom on earth includes our material needs. It includes our material life. I mean, think about it. If we can't survive physically, how are we going to be able to work to extend God's kingdom? How are we going to be able to do any of God's work if we're not alive or if we're not healthy? And I understand that God gives grace to us when we're not healthy in certain things, but you understand, generally speaking, this is what I'm getting at. He said, give us. That implies that it is in God's ability and God's responsibility to provide for his children. Give us, the prayer is, from us to God. This also implies that God is not only able and responsible, but God has a gift-giving nature. He is disposed to be benevolent and kind. In other words, that's like his default. That's That's what he does. That's who he is. So we're praying, give us, Lord. Notice that you as an individual are to pray for all of those that are children of God again. Not give me, though I'm not saying it's wrong if we pray something like that, but he's teaching us to pray, give us, give your children, Lord, our daily bread. Give us. So we're concerned with more than just ourselves. And sometimes when we first come to God, maybe all of that doesn't fully dawn on us yet, but God helps us to see that, that it's not just about us. It's about so much more than us. And we are part of something so great, so much bigger than us, which actually is a blessing to us. He said, give us this day, today, immediate prayers. He wants us to pray for things immediate. And then he's going to give us immediate answers. Because if I'm praying in the morning, Lord, give me this day. Then I am not only praying this day, but I'm also expecting that he's going to answer today. So. Notice that this doesn't include tomorrow. A little later in Matthew chapter 6, in the 34th verse, it says, Jesus said, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So we are keeping focused on today's needs, and we're not borrowing troubles from tomorrow for today. So he's saying, Pray this day, give us our daily bread. So we're going to go into this concept a little more in the future as we progress through Matthew chapter 6, but this helps us just understand this this point right here, and, and Jesus does expound on this more. So we're praying, give us today, this day as I'm praying, our daily bread. What is our daily bread? Does that just mean, Lord, give us food, but nothing else? No, I, I think what this encapsulates and I've looked through uh, several different commentaries trying to find out you know, if this is so. And a lot of them agree agree in the same that this is speaking about the things that sustain us, that keep us going. So all things, basically, 
that are needful for our souls and bodies. Not all the things we want, though God oftentimes blesses above and beyond that, but the things that we need for our soul and for our body so that we can do God's work and we can be here and be the blessing and be the light that he wants us to be. Moving on to verse 12. So give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Look at that word us again. It's all collective. Saying that we as an individual are praying, Lord, forgive us, your children, our debts. That's the kind of prayer that you and I are offering here. And it's not just the offering. We're talking to God. We're communing with him. We're speaking to him. Forgive us our debts. Here is humility. The humility is this, recognizing that we have probably done wrong or offended someone else. The word is forgive us our debts. So the the idea is we are indebted to others when we have offended or wronged them. And that doesn't always mean that it has to be intentional like I did it on purpose. Sometimes I do that and I don't even realize I did it. And so the prayer is, Lord, forgive us our debts. You know, there's probably something I've done that has hurt somebody or offended them, even if I didn't mean it. So Lord, I'm asking, forgive me even of those things and help me not to do those things again. That's the heart of a Christian. Lord, we want people to ask forgiveness when they've wronged us, but oh Lord, forgive me that I've wronged others and am not more superior and I am not without flaws myself. You know, it's easy. We want people to forgive us. We want people to be nice to us, but we've got to forgive other people just the same. We can't hold that over their heads. So we've got to extend the same. So it says, forgive us our debts. And Jesus brings out the point that as we forgive, we cannot expect the forgiveness of God if we ourselves are holding a wrong that has been done to us over someone else when God himself is so freely offering forgiveness to those that ask, especially you if you're the one asking, Lord, forgive me. He wants us to forgive others. So this should be a daily practice. Lord, help me to repair anything that I need to from today. If I've done something wrong to somebody else, I want to repair that. I don't want this to keep going. Does this teach then a sinning religion? Does this teach the necessity of sinning? No, this teaches a dependence upon God. It teaches us that there's this recognition that without God, we can fail. And oftentimes that may happen. That doesn't give us an excuse to sin and do whatever we please and get our ticket punched and then just go along living a wicked life. But if we fail, that's it. And, it, and it's not always intentional, like I said, sometimes unintentionally. That we'll never get past unintentionally doing something that we shouldn't have done. That will happen all the way until we leave this life. We don't go to confession like the mafia boss to ask pre-forgiveness for a murder that we're about to commit, make the sign of the cross over us, and then go kill somebody. Or we don't then go kill somebody and then go ask for forgiveness when really we haven't repented and we don't have a godly sorrow for our sin. That's the point that we have to guard against. A lot of people think, well, If I just do this, I'll just ask God to forgive me, and he will. You know, God is merciful, and he will forgive you, but he's not a fool either. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God's not mocked, it says. So if we are not truly repenting and turning away from sin, and we are putting a full-on assault against sin in our lives, we can't play the fool with God and 
and just live a wicked life and then just keep asking him forgiveness over and over and over again and expect that that's going to be okay because it's not going to be okay. May God help us. Moving on to the next verse. Verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. So lead us not into temptation. What does that mean? First of all, we're told other places in the scripture, God is not the one tempting us, but he is the one who allows or denies things to happen in our lives. Nothing can happen except God allows it. So we pray, lead us not into temptation. What we're praying is, do not let me go into sore trials. And the sore trials are something like, you know, violent assaults from Satan that would destroy us spiritually or sorely afflictive circumstances like a terrible sickness or some other kind of setback in life that will ruin our souls. We're basically praying, Lord, don't let me get into situations that I cannot bear. I know the thought is, People often say, well, if you're put in a situation, God thinks you can bear it. And that is true to an extent. Sometimes we put ourselves in situations God never wanted us to be in. And so we may find ourselves in unbearable circumstances. If God allows certain things, then there is a way through it. But we're asking, Lord, don't don't send us through sore trials, but deliver us. Deliver us from evil. And there's that us again. All of us, Lord, we're concerned with all the children of God. We all want to be delivered. And when it says deliver us from evil, it's not just evil as this nebulous force, but literally the evil one. Deliver us from his power. Deliver us from his snares or traps. Deliver us from his arts, his temptation. Deliver us, Lord. Why? For thine is the kingdom. Or other words, because yours is the kingdom. You have ultimate rule, Lord. You have rule and power over those that have been born again and chose to serve you out of their own desire. And he says, for thine is the kingdom, that's the kingdom, and the power. And the the Greek word here is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. So yours is the kingdom and yours is the power, the force, the miraculous power, the might, the strength, the abundance. It's yours. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. You get all the honor, Lord. You get all praise. All the splendor is yours. That's why we're asking this to happen, because you gave a spiritual life. You're trying to take a whole lost world back to yourself and swallow up all the sin and sickness and death and corruption in the world and change it for good. It's all for you, Lord. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And how long? Forever. So these three things are eternally true, that it's always God's kingdom. It's always his power. It's always his glory. And here. We go into verse 14 and 15 is the reiteration of verse 12 again. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your father in heaven will also, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Whenever something is repeated in scripture, we've got to take note of that. It's of great importance. Then verse 15 says, but if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So God will not forgive a person who's crude and merciless. And you say, oh, yes, he will. Well, he will if they repent. Psalm 18.25, we read, With the merciful God, thou wilt shew thyself merciful. With an upright man, thou wilt shew thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the froward, thou wilt shew thyself froward. So if you are acting in a merciless manner, you'll find that God seems to be quite merciless to you. But if you forgive others their trespasses, then God himself is going to forgive 
your trespasses. And so may God help us to pray the way that he wants us to pray. Prayer seems to be a place and an action that shows our frailty and our dependence upon God. Prayer gets us close to God. Prayer teaches us who God is. True prayer dethrones self. True prayer has the glory of God as its desire. True prayer is so simple a child can do it, but yet so profound. Prayer is not merely a form of self-help, but communication and fellowship with the holy God of all existence. So if you want fellowship with God, then pray with the same focus that Jesus shows us. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. I want you to introduce yourself to me. I want you to set up a time so that we can meet and then I can coach and help you further to walk with God. I can at least pass along with you the things that God has helped me with in my knowledge and help you along in your journey. Make sure to then go to our uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages, like and follow us. You're going to get more teaching and preaching to help you on your journey, and then you're going to be able to connect with others that are going through their journey. Also, tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. here on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM, and then tell your friends about social media, our social media accounts. And above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.